You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Andrew Dunn from Longleaf Politics. You know, to anybody who follows the political reporting in the Charlotte area, the next guest on the Brand Builders Podcast is a familiar name. You know, Andrew Dunn uh, served as an educational reporter uh, for the Charlotte Observer before moving to the popular online news site, Charlotte Agenda, and has now added another news site to his bio with his new political blog called Longleaf Politics. So welcome, Andrew, and uh, and thank you for uh, joining us on the Brand Builders Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on the pod. Absolutely. Welcome, Andrew, as Brian mentioned, and tell us... Uh, Tell us, what is the idea behind Longleaf Politics? And at the end of the day, what is your goal in regards to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a personal standpoint, you know, I, I grew up my whole life in North Carolina. I've always been, you know, obsessed uh, with with state politics and uh, never really been in a position in my career before this where I could really weigh in on it. Uh, and, uh, you know, now in, in my current role, uh, I saw a need, I saw a gap and uh, just went ahead and filled it. So tell us a little bit when when you you've been around the the politics you say that, that it's a passion of yours and and I think recently it's it's kind of crazy some it's kind of like religion right people are like oh I don't want to talk about politics and it's like either on the far right or the far left and it's kind of crazy tell us like what is the the mindset behind Longleaf and what what are we going to be able to get out of that yeah absolutely I mean North Carolina is is one of the more fascinating states politically I mean we're very much a purple state yes uh, Republicans uh, have a veto proof majority in the state legislature but you know this year actually coming up uh, should be the most contentious uh, contested elections uh, in decades um, so what I'm but what I'm trying to do with Longleaf politics is not really report on the conflict not really write about controversy but to really dig into the policies uh, you know what's actually being weighed and evaluating it on its merits I mean both parties both Republicans and Democrats are, are spending a lot of time trying to spin their message this way or the other and sometimes it's just you know that the actual substance gets lost um, and, and so that's what I'm trying to do is to, to to address what's actually going on in a way that people can understand quickly at the end of the day, that's what really matters. And I, that's what's so frustrating. I don't know what what reports to trust. I don't know. I mean, everyone has a spin, especially in today's world. It's so easy to communicate. Um, so so you diving into actually the facts and what this is all about is is very helpful, I think, for, you know, folks to understand. Um can you speak on yeah, that, Brian? And, and I mean, I, mean, I think no. I, I think I mean my issue right now is anything that you look. It's all about clickbait, right? Like I can let's throw the two big ones out there: Fox News and CNN. You can have the exact same article. Go to each different website. They're each going to have a different, you know, title. It's going to be something they wants to grab and whatever can fit their agenda. That's going to kind of what they're going to focus on. Whereas I would say ninety-five percent of Americans just want the facts. Like we just want to know, like what is this policy going to do for me on a daily air? Not oh my gosh, how can I spin this story to, to fit what I want to talk about. So is that kind of something that you're going to kind of take out the opinion, take out what my agenda is and say, hey, here's the facts of what's going on. And then as a, a free market that we're in, we can make that decision and we can go vote the way that we think it'll affect our family or affect our life or affect our community. Yeah, I mean, this uh, clickbait attention economy that we live in right now really forces people to one side or the other. It really drives polarization. I mean, to, to get any attention to get clicks on Facebook, you kind of have to go a little bit 
too far one one way or the other. You know, people aren't going to click on something that's even-handed or, or says, well, there's a lot of nuance here. Right. Um, you know, luckily I'm in a position where, you know, this blog, I'm not making a full, I'm not trying to make a full-time living from it. Um, so I don't, I, I'm not beholden to some of those tactics you have to take to get people to, to, to click on your stuff. Now, of course, I want people to read it and I'm hoping over time kind of quality is going to win out and, and I'll be able to build that audience. Well, and I mentioned, you mentioned right there, you want people to listen to it. And I think it's all about creating good content. You're not out saying, oh, I want a million people to, to read this right away. And I'm going to make a title that's going to get them to click it. You just want to have consistent, real good content and people will use you as a source or use you as a good resource. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what I'm really trying to build, I mean, some of the metrics I, I'm looking at are not, it, it's not page views. It's really about engagement. So it's, you know, open rate of my newsletter. Um, it's, it's the emails, the quality of the responses I'm getting. Is that what you mean by you, you saw a need because there is so much noise out there? Is that, is that the need you saw is to shoot straight, tell the facts, dig into what sides are proposing and that thing, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I've worked in, in media, especially local and statewide media for more than a decade now. You know, I kind of know how the sausage is made. I know, I, I know how newspapers, I know how news websites put together their products. And it, it doesn't really lend itself to in-depth, even-handed, voice-driven um, analysis of what's going on. So, so the product that I've created is very, very different from anything else out there. And that allows me to do things that nobody else is doing. So you mentioned that, that you've been in state politics and you've, and you've covered it. Um, you know, a personal question for, my, for me is, when you look at, at the divisiveness of, of our country when it comes to politics, whether you're Republican, whether you're a Democrat, and it seems like maybe the 10% on each side are the ones arguing, and then there's 80% in the middle that are sitting here like, what am I supposed to do? I think the hard thing right now for people is they want to make the best decision, but they don't have an outlet to be able to read something about that, right? And there's really not that resource. So when you're talking about going in and, and understanding things, what are some of the articles that you're writing? What are some of the topics that you're covering? And what are some of the things that you're trying to get through to people and say, listen, like, this can be a really good resource for you and a tool to understand, like, this is what's on the agenda. This is exactly what they're voting for, or this is what you're going to be voting for. Exactly. Um, so... For example, you know, one of the biggest items in the state budget is education, you know, K-12 education. You know, the state spends billions and billions of dollars on that every year. And it's one of the biggest issues in, in every election here in North Carolina. So what I, I, one of my first stories that I did was breaking down, all right, so Republicans have controlled the state legislature for, you know, for six, seven years now. Let's look at what they've done in those six, seven years in education in a comprehensive way. I mean, so so often when you try to follow this in the traditional media, you'll get a story on the latest policy proposal and then whoever's protesting it and you know what the, the what the short-term political battle is going to be over it. But you don't I didn't see anywhere where you could really get an even-handed, analysis of, all right, so here's how things have changed over six years. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, you know, the, the kind of the cliche with newspapers is yesterday's newspaper is fish wrap, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you're not always in a position to take that long view uh, with, with a medium like that. But that was something I was able to do. I mean, the other one, it kind of fits in the same vein is uh, with redistricting. I mean, you've probably heard 
off and on over the past six, seven years that there's been court battles over who gets to draw the lines of who votes where and what what politicians are running in what district. I mean, that's another thing that's taken place over a really long period of time. There have been a lot of court cases. I mean, I actually I wrote that one because I I consider myself pretty well informed, but even I didn't really know what was going on half the time. So I said, all right, I'm going to take take some take some take some time really dig into it, pull all the court records and, and put together a, um, a roadmap, if you will, to what's going on. Um, so these are the kind of things they are not really neat, tidy stories, but you know what I'm trying to create resources for people to be more informed citizens. I was, was, was going to ask where, where in the world do you get all this information that you write about that is truly, or, or that are truly facts, you know, and, and it's court documents. Yeah, a lot of, of it's nature. court documents, and I try to be really transparent when I'm writing and provide links. Uh, actually, uh, you know, I just have a WordPress blog, so I, I downloaded a plugin for uh, footnotes. So, okay. I, so I love to put things in footnotes and additional information and additional links. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it is court cases, which you can get uh, a lot of those documents online. They're all public records. I mean, a lot of it is actual bills, the actual text of bills that are filed in the state legislature. You can get those online. Um, and, uh, you know, that's one of the beauties of being a reporter in this age is that there's so much information online. You know, the problem right now is not lack of information. The problem is lack of context and lack of analysis. Um, so I, you know, with Longleaf Politics, I'm not there in the Capitol building sitting through all the hearings and, and transcribing and taking notes and, and putting out just raw facts. What I'm doing here is to really try to line these up and show people a deeper look into what's going on. And, and to go a little bit deeper into that, you know, Luke Bryan has a song called Most People Are Good. And I feel like that's true in, in America. But I also feel that right now, for some reason, it's like people don't want to discuss politics. But I feel like 90 to 95 percent of Americans can be different, can have different political views. But at the, ultimately, everybody wants the best for America. I feel like my my disconnect to politics is sometimes whether it's the right or the left. I don't even feel like they're trying to make the best decisions for our kids, our community, for our country as a whole. And it seems like it's just this big rat race on who wants to be right and how can I have the power? But when are we going to get politicians in there that literally want the best for America? Because the rest of the world sits there and laughs at us while we're the greatest, but it's like we're not acting like it. Oh, geez. I mean, that, that's, such a, <laughs> that's such a tough question. Uh, I love that song, by the way. Yeah, and I agree. I think most people are good. I also think that most people are busy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and most people don't have time to wade through everything and uh, to sort everything out. And that's one of the reasons why Longleaf Politics can exist. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. I mean, the, today's political conversation, you know, all the airtime is getting sucked up by the 10% on either side of the equation. And it kind of makes people think that every that, that, that things are so polarized when they're really not. I mean, I really do believe that there's an 80% in the middle that are reasonable and rational. Um, but, you know, if you're in politics, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to, to raise money. You, you can't send a campaign email out and it says, well, my opponent is pretty reasonable and rational. We just right. disagree on these minor <laughs> points, right? Right, right? You have to say, my opponent is trying to destroy the state of North Carolina. Send me money so I can stop and fight against it. Right. Be dramatic. Uh, you yeah. have to. I mean, you have. that's just kind of how things are these days, and it's really destructive. Um, yeah. I really wish we could find a way to stop that. I think, eh, I mean, there, there are some ideas out there on how we can end some of that polarization, but it, it's really difficult. I mean, especially in this environment where, um, you know, even our housing patterns where we live, you know, more, you know, Democrats, more liberal people tend to cluster in cities. 
uh, more conservative people tend to cluster in suburbs or, or, or rural areas. So when you're running for office in those areas, um, it's your, your primary voters that are really deciding who's going to be on the ballot and who's going to have a good chance to win. So you're almost competing on who's the most conservative to just get to that next level. And there, there's no easy way to get around that. So shifting gears a little bit, last year, state lawmakers tackled HB2, school class sizes, pre-K funding, and a number of other hot button issues. Um, what do you see as the big issues in 2008? And uh, yeah, that, like just forecasting along, what, what's, what's in the pipeline right now? Well, it's for, an election year, right? Well, that's the thing. For 2018, I wouldn't expect really anything too major to happen. I mean, everybody, I mean, so we just ended the filing period. So now we know who all is going to be. Uh, actually, yesterday was the last day to file for office in, in fall 2018 elections. Uh, I wouldn't expect anything too controversial to happen. I mean, one of the big things that I, I actually do think there's going to be movement on is school safety. Um, you know, everybody's talking about that with the just horrible, tragic shootings um, in Florida. Um, so I, I do think something's going to come with come of that. I know there's going to be meetings over the coming months. Uh, what I would actually expect is um, uh, some things to be rolled out statewide that actually Charlotte has been a pioneer in, and, and some of that is controlled access points um, at doors to school. So right now, you, I don't know if you guys have kids in, in CMS, but you can't get in the door unless you uh, buzz in and look in, you know, peer in the little camera and they'll, they'll let you in. Uh, and it's actually surprising to me that more places statewide don't have that yet. So I expect that and more school resource officers. I think that's going to be the big one. Um, other than that, you might see some movement around economic development. I mean, I, there's really kind of a philosophical debate going on between uh different factions, actually both parties, it's not really a partisan issue on whether you give corporate incentives, whether you don't give corporate incentives, whether you focus on lowering the tax rate versus more grants. Uh, I think those, probably those two things are the big things for 2018, uh, setting aside uh, electoral politics. And in, in, in 2018 and talking about topics, it, it seems to me over the span of the last couple of years, if something happens immediately, flavor of the week, flavor two weeks, Everybody in the country is passionate about it. Everybody's posting something about it. Everybody has an opinion about it. Everybody's saying, this is why this happened, or this is why this happened, and then they're pushing an agenda. Do you think that's something that's going to continue, or are people going to eventually get exhausted of that? Because it's like HB2, prime example, it was the big hot button. North Carolina was on the map. The whole country, oh, those racist people in North Carolina. It was this crazy topic, but the reality is, is it was an important topic. It was something that people needed to speak about, but we had we had companies pulling from this. I mean, it, they, maybe it's just that reaction, and then like six months later, it's like, oh, no worries. No one's talking about it. So like, what what is what drives that, and... It, I guess the I guess the bottom line is, are we going to have a country that's passionate about things and actually get things done? Are we going to have a country that reacts to every single thing and then two weeks later it doesn't matter anymore? I mean, I think the news cycle is going to continue to drive politics, and, and some of it. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, in all cases, right? I mean, if something really bad happens, you know, it's incumbent on us as people to hold our elected officials accountable and say, well, you need to do something about this. What are your policy positions? You know, as you alluded to, I think the the um, the real challenge, though, is is making sure that there's follow through. I mean, it's really easy, like the day of 
some sort of event to to call up, you know, as a reporter to call up uh, the elected officials and say, what are you going to do about this? Usually the answer is something like, oh, we're going to pull together a commission and we're going to study this. I mean, because because honestly, what else are they going to say on the day of? They, you right. know, that's not how government works. You can't just change things automatically. But you're right. I mean, the, the problem is making sure things actually happen uh, in, in a positive, constructive way. I mean, government takes a long time, and a lot of that is by design. Um, so it's incumbent on us as citizens to keep track of that. Uh, and, and that's another uh, role for a thing like Charlotte Agenda or Longleaf Politics is, is to keep up with stuff like that for you guys, the readers. That's awesome. And so you, you have a full-time job, and you're doing this on, on, and I guess, I, do you sleep? Like, do you ever sleep or do you write at night? I sleep a little bit. I mean, actually, to be honest, uh, my long leaf politics uh, work, I'm mostly doing that on weekends while my 15-month-old daughter is taking a nap. So that's, that's kind of my, uh, my I got a couple hours on Saturday and Sunday to put that together. Excellent. I'm, I'm about to have my first baby in less than four weeks. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Everyone, Your life's going to change. Uh, that's what everyone keeps telling me. They're, my buddy who just had a kid said sleep. If you get any second right now, just sleep. And, I, and he wants me to sleep for him. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, will we still see your post and all Charlotte Agenda? Is that? Oh, oh, is yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Charlotte Agenda, that's my, my primary, that's my full-time job, my main job, my primary focus. Uh, Longleaf Politics, I've actually kind of set it up in kind of a, uh, in a way where it doesn't suck up a lot of my time. It's more of a, a creative outlet on the side. But Charlotte Agenda, I, I, uh, I actually have my laptop right here in my lap. Uh, as soon as we get off this pod, I'm going to be back to work. Gotcha. Do you have, like you talked about having a passion around politics, and, and, and I'm sure that has kind of grown into reporting on politics. Have you ever thought about going into politics yourself? Oh, I... You know, I, not really. I have not really, you know, people, I, I've had a couple people ask me about it, not really in a serious way, just because I interact with politicians a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't really like calling people up and asking for money. And it seems like that's a lot of a politician's <laughs> right. job. I think, you know, I think, I think the media does have a role in influencing politics and policy. And I think that's probably the best side for me to be on. And, and that's a great question that you brought up is that everybody has to ask for money and they have to run their campaigns. It seems like every day there's a campaign, right? Like we'll, we'll elect a, an official and they'll be in office for six months. And guess what? They're campaigning again. Is there, do you see that ever like kind of slowing down? Like, do we really need two years of a presidential campaign or can we lessen that to maybe six months? Because if I elect somebody, I want them to do their job. I don't need them to be like, oh God, I gotta, I gotta go, you know, raise some money so I can be in office another four years. Like what about the four years that we elected you for the two years? That's a great question. And I'll admit, you know, I I'm guilty of that uh, sometimes as well. I've already done a couple of stories handicapping the 2020 governor's race right, in North yeah. Carolina. So well, I mean, that's your job, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean that's kind yeah. of the nature of politics is right. everybody's looking for, you know, trying to get ahead and what, what's the next thing. You know, but but we've we've talked about that quite a bit, even locally. So in Charlotte, the city council has, has you know, some members have floated, you know, do we need to go to four year terms as opposed to two year terms? Um, and I think it's a good question. I mean, kind of the balance is, you know, there, there is a balance between being responsive to voters. I mean, if, you know, you, you're not doing a good job, voters need to be able to get you out of office pretty quickly. But on the other hand, um, your attention can get sucked into fundraising as opposed to policymaking. And uh, as we've talked about a little bit earlier that, you know, if an election is coming up, you're not likely to do, you know, take a, a strong policy stance. And some of that's good. I mean, you want, you want more uh, moderation in your action, but also, you know, sometimes, 
uh, politics is about taking an unpopular stand. Um, and you're not going to do that in an election year, more than likely. Right. How, how do you feel about the career politicians? I mean, you're, you're talking about maybe lengthening the term, but over time, it, you know, it's, it seems like these guys just get in there and, and the, the vision is skewed. And do they still represent us or do they represent themselves? How do you feel about that? It's a great question. And, you know, I, I don't have a fully formed opinion on that as I see a lot of sides to it. So sure. there is a learning curve in politics. So if you're new, uh, if you're new in city council, if you're new in the state legislature, if you're new in Congress, it's going to take you a little bit of time to one, just learn how things are done, you know, two, build up a staff, three, you know, uh, uh, formulate some policy positions. So there is value to have longtime members of elected office because you know what you're doing you can sure you know, and you have influence and, right i mean sure. you know people you can get things done uh on the other you know career politicians is is kind of a dirty word and, and that's true i mean if 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 you get to the point where you're more concerned about preserving your own paycheck than actually serving your constituents you need to go right, right. uh but how do you figure that out i guess it's you know that as voters that's kind of your decision to make right and in addition to that, I think one of the things that, that a lot of people in America struggle with is, does my vote count? How can I help? What are my actions going to do to make a bit positive impact? And I think a lot of people look at, oh, the presidential election. And it's like they focus only on that and they're not focusing on their local government. And, and how can they improve their schools locally? How can they improve their community? What would be your advice in addition to voting? Because we still have a terrible percentage of, of citizens that vote. What would be your advice on how people can get involved and how they can stay away from being the, you know, the, the keyboard warrior and actually put their words to use and get involved in the community? What would be your advice to somebody that's listening to this and, and wants to help out and make a difference? Absolutely. I mean, you're 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 definitely right. Turnout is abysmally low. And and that's you know, actually one of the problems in in politics is that um, who wins elections is not necessarily about who has the best policy positions or even who most people support. It's about who can get their voters out to the polls. And that's driving some of that uh, polarized ret rhetoric because, you know, your your base is only going to get out if they feel like they're crusading to to fight evil. Right. Um, so if we had more a uh, larger percentage of people voting, I think things would, would tone down. Uh, but. I guess what I tell people is that your vote absolutely does count. I mean, and we've seen that just in in recent elections. So the um, one of our local congressional districts, the Republican primary, and this is a Republican heavy district. So the Republican primary was the big one. It was uh, Robert Pittenger, our U.S. representative versus Mark Harris. Uh, the um, primary, I think, was decided by 100 votes. You know, 100 votes. That's nothing. I mean, uh, you know, you're <laughs> pretty tight. It, it's, that's very tight. I mean, even uh, in statewide. So the the governor's race, Pat McCrory versus Roy Cooper, that was something like 10,000 votes ended up deciding that race. I mean, I, there's some neighborhoods in Charlotte that have way more than 10,000 people. Um, so, I mean, I would just just looking at the facts. I mean, votes do matter. Uh, so but. You know, I mean, I think that's always going to be a problem with politics. I don't think there's any quick solution. Um, I think that part of it is on us as media um, to educate voters and to to show them, you know, what good they can do by getting out there and voting. And you're so you're a parent, and I think one of the biggest things that that we need to focus on in our country is education. How can someone get involved? Is it as easy as 
you know, hey, my kid's going to be going to the school or my kid already goes to that school. How can I walk up there, volunteer? How can I help out? What are some of the ideas that you've seen through politics or really just through a community and maybe as just being a parent um, that can make an impact to, to improve our schools and improve the education of our kids? Because that's where it needs to start. You know, if, you, if we have smart kids, we're going to be a smart country. It's pretty simple. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the, the number one thing you can do is just to show up. Um, just by showing, you know, going to the PTA meetings, going to parent-teacher conferences, being a presence on campus, uh, being a volunteer, uh, that's all going to go, you know, it's going to go very far as far as helping your kids. Now, now I understand a lot of people can't do that. I mean, pe- a lot of people work multiple jobs and can't get there during school hours. And what I'd advise them is to, you know, send emails. I think, you know, today, teachers and principals and administrators and even uh, a lot of elected officials, you'd be surprised at how many will email you back or Facebook message you back uh, pretty quickly. Uh, So that's kind of a good way you can be digitally present, even if you can't be physically present. I'm curious of the uh, significance of of the name you've created, Longleaf Politics. I assume that ties into the Longleaf Pine uh, for North Carolina, but could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, you know, the state toast, uh, yes, North Carolina has a state toast, is, is, you know, here's to the land of the Longleaf Pine. I'm kind of, a, you know, like you don't start a site like this unless you're kind of a state politics nerd or, you know, a state of North Carolina junkie. And, and I definitely am. And um, so I, and the state tree is the pine tree. It's actually the state tree is not the longleaf pine, but just the pine tree. But uh, I, I was searching around something around there to go for a name. Uh, and it was kind of fun. So when I was getting started on putting the site together, I um, was trying, I wanted to get pictures of longleaf pine trees and you can't find any actually in the city of Charlotte. So I was emailing park rangers uh, around the state <laughs> trying to find out where the nearest one is. And I actually- Southern Pines. Yeah. So I, well, I actually thought about driving out there, but I was able to find a, a little longleaf pine forest in the URA National Forest, which is like awesome. an hour, awesome. hour or so away. Mm-hmm. Um a park ranger gave me kind of a secret, uh, you know, it's a public road, but it's kind of a secret dirt road you can drive down. And sure. I got some great pictures out there. That was so much fun. That's awesome. That is very cool. Heck yeah. Well, tell us a little bit how, how we can look up uh, Longleaf Politics. How can we stay um, involved? I'm really excited to read your your stuff. And, and I think it's super refreshing to hear someone that is is kind of just putting the clouds and, the, and everything away. And then I'm just going to show you some information and then you can take that and absorb it however you want. Um, so thank you for, for kind of stepping out on, onto a long leaf. Oh, well, um. well, thank you very much. You know, uh, just, uh, it's longleafpolitics.com is, is the webpage. Uh, but I'd really encourage everybody to sign up for the email newsletters because that's where all the good stuff is. You know, I publish some web stories that are on the website and you can look at those, but, uh, I'm doing a lot. Uh, most of my original reporting is is just to that newsletter audience. So be sure to sign up. And if you're here in Charlotte and somehow don't aren't getting the Charlotte Agenda newsletter, you need to make sure to do that at charlotteagenda.com. That's awesome. And you guys do not see him right now, but he is wearing an awesome North Carolina hat, and it's not a Tar Heel hat. That is the state flag, and that is very nice. Thank Super you. cool. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for spending your time with us this morning. Very informative, and can't wait to tune in. Yeah. To what you have coming up. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com. <laughs>